0: well hello go church are you well are you glad to be in church today it's so good to be with you Come on, can we give a good welcome to everyone joining us online? We greet you, so glad that you're joining us. And then as is our tradition here at Go Church, we love to take a moment and honor everyone serving in our military and everyone serving as a first responder. We're so grateful that you're willing to give up your life so that we could even have environments like this where we can teach and enjoy the teaching of God's word. So if you're serving in the military, if you're serving in a first responder, could you just let us know who you are? We'd love to take a moment and honor you. We're so grateful for you. Come on, let them know you love them, church. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We bless you. Love you so much, so glad that you're here. Well, my name's Eric. I get the privilege of being part of our Montgomery County campus team up in Maryland. Some of the most loving, best people that you're ever gonna meet are gathering together with us uh, up in Maryland. And the only reason that we're able to have that opportunity and even have this opportunity right here at our South Metro Atlanta campus is because of the yes and the amen of Pastor JC and Kimberly Worley to God's will. Aren't you thankful for our lead pastors? Come on, would you take a moment, let them know that you love them. Pastor, we love you. Pastor Kimberly, we love you. We're so grateful for you, all right? Well, are you excited to study God's word together? We're involved in a series of messages entitled Binge the Bible, season two. And the theme of the book of Acts that we're looking at through these series is all about how the book of Acts demonstrates what God can do in and through people and his church when we're fully committed to him and baptized in the Holy Spirit. So today we're looking at a portion of scripture from Acts chapter 12. If you have your Bibles, if you have your smartphones, if you have an app that you read scripture on, go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 12. If you don't have your phone, that's fine. You can follow along in the screen. There'll be a way that you can follow along with us. But we're gonna be starting in Acts chapter 12, starting in verse one, here we go. About that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the days of the unleavened bread. And when he seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer, I love that. I love the power of earnest prayer, right? Earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Now, when Herod was about to bring him out on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and sentries from the door or before the door rather were guarding the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up saying, get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, dress yourself and put on your sandals, and he did so. And he said to him, wrap your cloak around me and follow me. And he went out and followed him. And he did not know what was being done by the angel was real, but he thought he was seeing a vision. He thought he was dreaming. When they had passed the first and the second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city. It opened for them of its own accord. And they went out and went along one street and immediately the angel left him. When Peter came to himself, he said, now, I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. Would you take a moment and pray together with me as we're to study God's word. Lord, we thank you so much for the power that's in your word. We know that your word is a lamp unto our feet. It's a light unto our path. God, we pray that you would challenge us. We pray that you would instruct us. We pray that you would convict us of whatever that's inside of us that needs to be changed. Lord, none of us wanna walk out of this place the same way that we walked in. Ultimately, we're here to become more like Jesus by your power and by your spirit. So God, I pray that you would come and do that. God, I pray that you would do a a mighty work in our hearts and in our minds to make us more like Jesus. And It's in your precious, good, holy name that we pray and all the church said together, amen and amen, amen. All right, here's a thought for all of us that are gathered here today, all right? When you're born, you look like your parents. When you die, you look like the choices that you made in life. Let me say that again. When you're born, you look like your parents. You have the characteristics, you have some personality traits, whatever, of your parents. But when you die, you and I are gonna look like the results of the choices that we made in life. Everything that brought you to where you're at in your life now is a result of the decisions and the choices that you made. And choice is a gift. It's really something that God gives us as a gift because he wants us to experience a full and a blessed life. But choice isn't something that we can escape. It's something that we need to steward. And it's something that we need to use wisely if we want the life that God has for us. All of us have choices that we need to make in life. You can make a choice to live according to fear or you can make a choice to live according to faith right? You and I can choose to be a good steward of the resources and the blessings that God has given us, or we can choose to waste those resources. You can choose to be a part of a community of people who loves you and believes in you and believes the best for you and pushes you forward into God's will and his desire for your life, or you can choose to be a Dallas Cowboys fan. All of these are choices that we need to make. I said what I said. I said what I said, okay? (laughs) All these are choices, listen, choice is a part of life. We're never gonna escape it. And God wants us to have a full and a blessed life based on the decisions that we make. But how many of you know that just as God has a desire that you be blessed, the enemy, the devil, has a desire that, to rob you of that blessing and to steal the future that God has for you. God wants the best for you, the enemy wants the worst for you. Look at the words of Jesus in the book of John chapter 10, verse 10. Jesus says the thief, speaking of the devil, comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. God's desire is that you have a full life. But the enemy's agenda this morning is to steal, kill, and destroy the future that God has for you. And here's the reality for all of us that are gathered in this room or whether you're watching online, if you're breathing air, listen, the enemy ain't got you yet, all right? He might try to kill you, but he hasn't killed you. He might try to destroy you, but he hasn't destroyed you. If there's breath in your lungs, you still have a chance. But what he will try to do, even if he can't kill you, even if he can't destroy you, is he'll try to steal away the future that God wants for you. And one of the ways that he'll try to rob you of the blessings of God is by causing you and I to make unwise decisions with the opportunity for choice that we have. We can choose to make good decisions or we can choose to make unwise decisions. And when we choose to make unwise choices, we end up in a place of restriction. We end up in a place of confinement and we end up being restrained from God's best for our life. That's the consequences of our choices. And in the book of Acts chapter 12, we find Peter in a similar state. He was in prison and he was restricted. He was restrained and he was confined from being able to enjoy the life that God wanted. Now he wasn't in prison as the result of any activity that he'd done. He'd been imprisoned unjustly, but his physical condition is representative of our spiritual condition about what happens when we make unwise choices. We can end up in a place of restriction and restraint and being uh, separated from what God wants for our life based on the choices that we make. And when the angel showed up in Peter's prison cell that day, he had a choice to make. Peter had a choice as to what he was gonna do when he encountered the angel of the Lord. I don't know about you, but it can be very hard and difficult to make a choice. It requires courage. It requires something that you haven't done before. Even for Peter, maybe something changed inside of him. He thought he was dreaming, but something inside of him prompted to say, you know what, I need to do something based on what I've heard today. Even the last time we see scripture, we see Peter rather asleep in scripture, it was in the garden of Gethsemane, do you remember that? And Jesus had asked him to stay awake with him, but right before he was about to be turned over to be crucified and Peter fell asleep. He was determined this time, you know what? It needs to be different. I need to respond to what's going on. And you and I have the same choice today. We need to make wise choices so that we're able to walk in the freedom and the fullness of life that God intends for all of us to live in we have to make wise choices with the decisions that we have. In the Old Testament, when the nation of Israel was getting ready to enter into the land of promise that God had given them, under the leadership of Joshua, they gathered together and Joshua gave them this ultimatum about the decisions that they needed to make once they entered into the land of promise and blessing that God was gonna give them. Listen to the words of Joshua in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19. Today, I have given you the choice between life and death between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants may live. Do you hear the intention with what Joshua is encouraging the people with? He said, Listen, nothing in life is, it's got it's, nothing good is gonna happen by default to you. You have to make a choice. You can choose life, you can choose death. You can choose blessings, you can choose curses. And the same is true for you and me today. The decisions we make can either release blessings to our life or they can withhold or separate us from God's best from us. And all of heaven, just as it was true for Israel back then, all of heaven is witness to the choices that you and I need to make. So the imperative for us is that we need to choose life. We need to make decisions that are in obedience and alignment with God's word so that we can experience the fullness of life that He has given us. It's a choice that you and I need to make. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 13. If you use your lives to do what your sinful selves want, you'll die spiritually. But if you use the Spirit's help, that's the Holy Spirit, if you use the Spirit's help to stop doing the wrong things you do with your body, you'll have true life. The true children of God are those who let God's Spirit lead them. So today, the theme that we're gonna be focusing in on is how the Holy Spirit empowers us to choose to obey God. How many of you would say that, that I want the Holy Spirit to empower me to choose to obey God, right? Well, listen, if we want that for our life, there's decisions that we need to make, there's choices that we need to make to bring us into alignment and into submission with the leadership of the Holy Spirit. So we're gonna talk about five points today, about five choices we need to make to be led by the Holy Spirit. Before we get into these points, quick note that these five points are sequential in that they build on one another. So if you want the blessings of point number five, you gotta do the work of point number one, all right? You can't skip a step. You have to build on one another and you have to be sequential and intentional with the choices that you make. So here we go. Five choices we need to make to be led by the Holy Spirit. If you're taking notes, write this down. The first choice that every single person needs to make is to choose to respond to God. We need to choose to respond to God. Look at Acts chapter 12, verse seven. We're gonna revisit the story of Peter in prison. He's in prison, he's asleep, verse seven. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him saying, get up quickly, and the chains fell off his hands. Man, some of you have had to try to wake up kids for school. You know exactly what I'm talking about, right? Get up, get ready, struck him and woke him get up shook him from his sleep. But listen, it was a choice that Peter had to make to respond to what the angel was doing. He could have very easily, in fact, the Bible tells us that up until a certain point, he thought it was a dream, but something prompted him to respond to the word of God as it came to him. And the same is true for you and I. Listen, we can get fooled sometimes into just because we are in spiritual environments or exposed to spiritual things, that we're responding to God, but responding to what God does isn't a matter of proximity, it's a matter of a choice that we make, right? How many of you know that you can be in proximity to someone, you can be around someone and still not respond to them? And all the wives in the room said, hey, yeah, we know, we know, we know, all right? We know, don't, don't jab your husband, we know. But listen, responding is an intentional voice, and, there, and a choice rather, and there's value in your response. So my wife, Pam, and I, we have a two-year-old daughter. Her name is Abby, and she's so precious. And one of the things that I've picked up on, she's at the stage in her development where she's starting to not only copy what we do, but copy what we say and how we say it. And I've noticed that she's copying my wife and I in how we respond to each other, and that's how she responds to us. And so early on, when she started becoming cognitive of the words that we're saying to one another, I would, Pam would ask me to do something. and would be like, okay, yeah, I got it. You know, I'd have one of those quick responses like that. And, or like a yup, like a one word response. And I noticed that she would start to pick up and say the same things. And there's nothing wrong with that. But one of the things that I want is for my daughter to be articulate and well-spoken. So I had to, I'm trying rather, I'm trying right now to make a conscious decision about how I'm responding to my wife when she asks me to do something, instead of, you know, grunting or saying something, I'm trying to say, yes, babe, yes, I will, or even yes, ma'am, whatever needs to be said, because I want her to see that there's value in my response, not only for me and my wife, but for the people around me, right? So here's a funny story. One day, uh, Pam and Abby were downstairs. I was upstairs. She asked me to get something. She said, hey, babe, can you, can you get something for me? I said, yes, babe, love you. And she said, thank you, babe. And then Abby, with her little voice, she goes, thank you, babe. And like her little... And if you, have a, if you have a daughter and she calls you babe and she says, thank you, babe, it's a cheat code. Like she's getting whatever she wants after that, right? It was so precious. But she's listening. It's an intention. She heard the response and she emulated that. And the same is true for us. Your response to God matters. It's not just you being in church. Yes, that matters. It's not just you being around spiritual things and spiritual, but yes, that matters. But your response is something completely different because it's precious to God. As a parent, Abby's response to me is precious, and the same is true for you and me. Our response to God is something that he treasures because he loves us and he loves hearing from his children, but it's a choice that you and I need to make. In the Old Testament book of Samuel, there's an individual a young man named Samuel, and he was being trained in the worship and, the, and ministry of the Lord in the temple. And the, and, the, and the lead priest at the time was a man named Eli. And Eli would have been instructing Samuel in how to minister and how to become a minister uh, to the Lord in, the, in, the, in that temple setting. And one night uh, when Samuel was sleeping, God came and spoke to him and started calling his name because he wanted to start to reveal his will for Samuel's life to him. So two times the Lord called to Samuel. He said, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel thought it was Eli that was calling him. He ran to Eli and said, hey, did you call me? Eli said, no, go back to sleep. Cool, happened a second time. The Lord said, Samuel, Samuel. And he thought Eli was talking, ran to Eli. Eli said, go back to bed, stop bothering me. Sent Samuel back and Samuel went back to sleep. Something happened a third time and Eli realized that Samuel needed to respond because it was God calling him and not Eli. Look at, the, look at what the Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse nine and 10. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go lie down. And if he, if he calls to you, say, speak Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there calling as at the other times. Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. There was an intentional response that Samuel had to have. It didn't matter that he was in proximity to God or in proximity to a spiritual environment. You can be in a spiritual place, but having a spiritual response is something completely different. And when Samuel chose to respond to God intentionally, God was able to reveal his will for his life to him. The benefits of responding to God cannot be understated for you and me. Look at Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 12 through 14. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. Do you hear the promise of the response of God's word? I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and bring you back from captivity. One of my favorite verses in all of scripture, James chapter 4, verse eight, it's a simple verse but it's a profoundly important verse for us. It says, come near to God and he will draw near to you. It's just that simple. The promise is that when we respond by drawing near to God, he will draw near to us, but it's a choice that you and I need to make. The most important choice of response that anyone can ever make in their life is to respond to the gospel and receive Jesus as their Lord and savior. And for some of you here, maybe today's gonna be the day that you do that. You might've heard about Jesus You might've heard a lot of facts about him, but knowing about someone and knowing them is completely different. And today God loves you and he wants to have a relationship with you, but he's never gonna force his way into your life. We need to make the choice to respond to him and open up our life to him and receive him as our savior. You might've been trying to do this life on your own. You might've been trying to do it by your own strength, by your own intellect, by your own ability, Today's the day when you can call on God to be your strength for you, but it starts with you making a choice to respond to God. All of us, no matter how long we've been following Jesus, we need to make a choice to respond to the word of the Lord. The second thing that we need to choose this morning is we need to choose the peace that only God can provide. We need to choose the peace that only God can provide. Look at Acts chapter 12, verse 8. And the angel said to Peter, dress yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, wrap your cloak around me and follow me. All throughout scripture, the Bible ascribes spiritual significance to certain pieces of clothing. And one of the things that the Bible associates with shoes is the concept of peace. This is explicitly seen in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13, where it talks about the armor of the Lord. Listen as I read this verse. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you'll be able to still stand firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the armor of God's righteousness. Verse 15, for shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. The Bible over and over again associates shoes with the concept of peace. And listen, having peace is not a result of the circumstances around you in life. You can be in an incredibly beneficial, like nice situation and still not have peace inside. Or I've known people that are in incredibly, diff, incredibly difficult situations, stressful situations, but they still have peace in your life. Why? Because peace is not a result of our external circumstances. It's an internal choice that we need to make to take hold of the peace that God gives us. It's kind of like putting on your shoes in the morning. Maybe some of us have been to a beach or have been walking through the woods and maybe you even know what it's like to walk across rocky, sharp terrain with either improper shoes or no shoes at all. It's horrible, right? You ever stepped on Legos? Come on, parents, right? We, we all know what that's like, right? But something happens when you put on shoes, the terrain, listen to me, the terrain might not change, the sharpness may not change, the trouble might not change, but how you navigate that trouble changes because you're equipped and you're set to go into those situations and those environments with coverings as as you need. And maybe some of you have even had a time when you've bought a new pair of shoes, new pair of work boots, whatever it may be, and you strap them on for the first time and it's awkward, right? There's a break in period. Listen, that's kind of what happens when you make a conscious decision to choose God's peace for yourself. It can be kind of awkward when you're in a period of stress, when you're in a situation where you don't know how you're gonna make ends meet, but you get up and you make a choice again to respond to God. And you say, you know what, Lord, instead of choosing, my, instead of choosing fear, or instead of me trying to figure my own way, intellect my own way, try my own way out of this, I'm gonna choose your peace. And I know that you're gonna provide for me. That can be awkward to read those verses, to pray those prayers. It can be, it, it can be even disorienting at times. But the more and more you do it, the more peace becomes a part of who you are. It's kind of like how you break in a shoe and off, all, all of a sudden a pair of shoes that was extremely uncomfortable to you becomes the pair that you reach for. That's how peace works, but it's a choice that you and I need to make. We need to choose the peace that only God can give us. Look at the words of Jesus in John 16, Jesus says, I have told you these things so that in me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. God does not promise us that everything's gonna be sunshine and daisies. He says, In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. We serve a God who is our overcomer, right? He's not just an overcomer, he's our overcomer. But that happens when we choose the peace of God for ourselves. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 6 through 7. Don't be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. If you're like me, I like to be prepared. I like to have a plan. I like to have an objective. I wanna make sure that I account for everything that can be accounted for. I like to understand things. And I don't know about you, but you get to some season. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with being prepared and planning. But there's gonna be times when you and I, we get to the end of our own intellect. We get to the end of our own strength. And we can get caught up trying to search for answers and understanding. Listen, the Bible says, Jesus says rather, I'm not gonna always give you an answer. I'm not gonna give you understanding, but I will give you my peace because it's a peace that what? Passes understanding. Understanding. I'm so glad God doesn't give us the answers because then we wouldn't need God, but he does give us his peace and it's better than an understanding. I can tell you in my life, the peace of God is better than any explanation that he could ever give me. He doesn't owe me one and it's better than any explanation that he could give me. We need to choose the peace that only God can provide. The third thing that we need to choose is we need to choose the identity that Jesus gives us. Choose the identity that Jesus gives us. Again, returning to Acts And the angel said to Peter, dress yourself, put on your sandals, and he did so. And he said to him, wrap your cloak around you and follow me. Wrap your cloak around me is the next action there. And the same way that the Bible ascribes peace with the concept of shoes, the Bible ascribes clothing or garments with someone's identity, with their social function, with their status in life. It was a measure of someone's identity. Galatians chapter three, verse 26 through 27 gives us a wonderful explanation about how we are to be clothed with the identity of Christ. Listen as I read from the Amplified Translation. For you who are born again, have been reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, sanctified, and are all children of God, set apart for his purpose with full rights and privileges through faith in Christ Jesus for all of you who are baptized into Christ, into a spiritual union with the Christ, the anointed, have clothed yourselves with Christ. That is, you have taken on his characteristics and his values. That's a wonderful definition of identity, isn't it? It's when you take on Christ's characteristics and his values. Your identity can be comprised of your characteristics and your values. But just like a response is a choice, Taking hold of peace is a choice. Choosing the identity of Christ is a choice. And you and I, we can choose to form our identity based on our feelings, our emotions, the desires of our flesh. We can choose to form our identity based on what society says our identity needs to be. Or we can go to God and say, you know what? I'm choosing the identity that Christ has for me. That is the best identity that anyone could ever choose for themselves. And listen to me, we live in a world where there's a lot of different people and even different types of communities that will try to affirm you based on an identity that they say you need to have. Let me challenge you with something. Just because there's a community of people that affirms you does not, believe, does not mean that it's a community of people that's good for you. Are you hearing me, church? You need to be around a community that affirms your identity in Christ. That is what matters most. You and I, we need to choose the identity that Christ alone gives us. Jesus used the example of what it means to be clothed and how that affects your identity in a parable that he used to teach about God's love. It's the parable of the prodigal son. And as Jesus tells the story, there was a young man who wanted to live life his own way apart from the oversight of his father. And so he went to his father and he said, Father, Dad, would you just give me, give me my inheritance now, all the money that you've been saving up for me, I don't care about my relationship with you. I just want what you can give me. So just give me my money and I'm gonna go do my own thing. So the father obliged and gave him that money. And the Bible says that this son went away and spent it on reckless and loose living. And he made a mess of his life. It was an absolutely horrible situation. And he had a moment of realization and repentance when he said, you know what? I need to to go back to my dad. I need to apologize. I need to say I'm sorry because even the servants in my dad's house or have a better situation than what I have. I just need to go and throw myself on the mercy of my father and see what happens. So the Bible says he makes his way back to his father and the father sees him running, sees him coming back to him a long way off. He runs to him, embraces him, and the son begins his apology. He has a moment of genuine contrition and repentance. And he starts to say, dad, I'm sorry for all the things that I've done wrong. I don't even deserve to be called your son. Look at the response of the father in Luke chapter 15, 22. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. There again is that image of sandals and peace being given to someone. When you come to Jesus, there is always peace available for you. The Bible says that Jesus did not come to the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. When you come back to Jesus, when you repent, and you say, God, I'm wrong, you're right, God's never angry with you, he always fills you with peace, just as the Father did, so this for our Father in heaven does for us. He says, bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and let's celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found, so he began to celebrate. Look what he says about that robe there. Bring the best robe and put it on him. The best robe in the house, I never really noticed this until I started studying for this particular message. What would the best robe in the house would have been? It wasn't a servant's robe, it wasn't a servant's attire. It wasn't even the best version of what the son had left in his house. The best robe in the house would have been the father's robe. And when, you, when this son returned to his father, his father just didn't give him access to the house, barely as a servant. He didn't even give him a better version of his own identity of what he had before he came. No, this father gave him the best identity that he could ever ask for. It was his own robe. And that's a picture of what the father does when we return to him. He doesn't just say, okay, you're good. You can just be around me. I'm mad at you, but you can just be in the house. He doesn't even just make us a kind of a better version of ourselves. He gives us a brand new identity that we could never hope <laughs> to have access to of our own volition or of our own rights. And that's the same thing that God does for us. When we choose to respond by taking hold of the identity of Christ, he gives us an identity that we could never hope to achieve or attain on our own. But listen to me, it's a choice that we need to make. We need to choose the identity of Christ. It's so important. John uh, chapter one, verses 11 through 12. He, speaking of Jesus, came to the world that was his own and his own people did not accept him, but some people did accept him. They believed in him and he gave them the right to become what children of God. That's a statement of your identity. Again, what are we talking about today? We're talking about how the Holy Spirit empowers us to make decisions and choices to obey God. And if we want the Holy Spirit to lead us, we need to bring our choices into alignment with his will and our desire for our life. What have we talked about so far? We've talked about the choice and the necessity to respond to God. That's first and foremost. We've talked about the importance of choosing the peace that only God can provide. We've talked about uh, t- taking hold of and grasping the identity of Christ. The fourth thing that we're gonna talk about today is we need to choose to accept the responsibility that God blesses us with. Choose to accept the responsibility that God blesses us with. It's so quiet in church after saying that R word, right? Responsibility, <laughs> responsibility. Acts chapter 12, verse 10. <clears throat> when the angel had, and Peter had passed the first and the second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city. It opened for them of its own accord and they went out and went along one street and immediately the angel left him. Have you ever had your GPS turn off on you? It's kind of like what happened here, right? Peter left prison. He escaped from that situation and the, and the individual, this angel that was guiding him through that season left him. And Peter had a choice that he needed to make. He needed to choose to either continue in the freedom that God had brought him or be passive and probably get captured again and end up in the same situation that he was in. And some of us know exactly what that feels like. We start to see some progress in our relationship with God. We start to respond differently. We start to choose peace. We start to grow in our relationship with Jesus. But when you and I don't take responsibility of the blessing that God gives us, we can end up right back where we started. Choosing to be responsible with the blessing that God gives us is so important. Listen to me, when God brings you to a blessing, he wants you to take ownership of it and he wants you to be responsible for it. Some of us have been praying for things for a great amount of time. Maybe you're here and you've been praying for God, would you show me the person that I'm supposed to be with for the rest of my life, show me my spouse, and you start dating them and all of a sudden you get mad because you have to learn active listening, and things like that, right? become frustrated with the blessing. Man, maybe there's, maybe there's a promotion that you've been praying for and all of a sudden God gives you that and you get frustrated because you got to deal with the knuckleheads in the cubicle next to you. Uh, maybe, maybe you're someone, maybe oh man, parents in the room, maybe you're someone that you've been praying for children for a long time. And then all of a sudden, like Pastor David was talking about, the night terrors is starting. You start to have those late nights and you can become frustrated and bitter at the blessing that God has given you. God doesn't want you to be bitter at a blessing. He wants to choose you to steward the blessing that he's given you with. When he brings you to a a place of responsibility, you need to take a decision, make a decision rather, to take ownership of that responsibility. When the nation of Israel was getting ready to enter the promised land, finally, they've left Egypt, they've left captivity, they've left that season of wandering in the desert wilderness for over 40 years, they're getting ready to finally enter into that, ble- that, that blessing and promised land that God had given them. They had a choice that they needed to make. During their wandering season, God had chosen to sustain them by providing them this thing called manna from heaven. It was like bread that God provided. It showed up every morning. They didn't need to create it. They didn't need to bake it. They could just go on the ground, pick it up and eat what they needed to every single day. But look at what the Bible says happens when they get ready to enter into the land of God's promise for them. Joshua chapter 5, 10 through 12. On the evening of the 14th day of the month, while, while camped at Gilgal on the plains of Jericho, the Israelites celebrated the Passover. The day after the Passover, that very day, they ate some of the produce of the land, unleavened bread and roasted grain. The manna stopped the day after they ate this food from the land. There was no longer any manna for the Israelites, but that year they ate the produce of the land of Canaan. There was a period of time where Israel had received passive provision from God, but they had to come to a point of decision when they encountered God's blessing and said, okay, I had received food passively. Now I need to learn how to work the land. I need to be a steward of the resources and start to produce things for myself. And the same is true for us in our walk with Jesus. God's desire for you is not just that you be a consumer through every stage of your life. Eventually, You will need to take responsibility for your faith and start to produce the goodness of God inside of you and start to do good things out of the goodness that he's given you. This is a point of taking responsibility. It's so important and it's so vital, but it's a conscious decision that you and I need to make. The same was true for Israel. The same was true with us. When God brings us to a blessing, he wants to know that we are going to be responsible with the decision that we choose. Do you know or do you remember from scripture how the promised land was described. Help me out if you remember it. It's a land flowing with milk and honey, right? That sounds so good, right? I wanna be in a land flowing with milk and honey. Guess what? If you wanna be in a land flowing with milk and honey, you gotta deal with bees and cows. That's just it. What, 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 makes, what makes honey? What creates honey? Bees create honey, right? Bees sting. You ever been around some people who just sting you, right? You know those people that every time you get around them, it's like, hey, listen, you need to be at a a place where you can be responsible with that and not become bitter, not become combative with those people, but you can bless them. You can care for people who sting you. That's a point of responsibility in your life. What makes milk? Cows make milk, right? Cows stink. Some people in your life, literally and metaphorically, stink, right? Right? Take that how you will, but the same is true. If we want the blessings that God gives us, we have to be responsible to make the decisions to take ownership of what God gives us. Look at 1 Corinthians 3, verses one through three. Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would spiritual people. I had to talk to you as though you belonged to this world, as though you were infants in Christ. I had to feed you with milk, not solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger, and you still aren't ready for you're still controlled by your sinful nature. You're jealous of one another and quarreling with one another. Doesn't that prove that you're living like the people of the world? mean, if there's an area in your life where you wanna experience God's promotion in your life, there's nothing wrong with that. All of us want our careers to advance. We want our finances to grow. We want our families to prosper. There's nothing wrong with that. But here's something that I've learned about promotion. Promotion does not create something new inside of you. It only amplifies what is already there. And if God can't trust you, he's not gonna bring you to something greater. We need to choose responsibility in our life. Romans chapter 12, verses one through two from the message translation. Here's what I want you to do with God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can ever do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you just fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants you to do and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity, and you choose responsibility. Final thing we're gonna talk about this morning is we need to choose to recognize the testimony that God is building inside of you. Choose to recognize the testimony that God is building inside of you. Acts chapter 12, verse 11, when Peter came to himself, suddenly he realized it's not a dream, there's something actually going on in my life. He said, now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all the Jewish people we're, were, were, were intending, we're expecting. Choosing to see what God was doing in Peter's life was a choice that he needed to make. All of a sudden, he had to come to an awareness that God had been faithful, he is being faithful, and he will be faithful. Listen to me, there is power in your testimony because your testimony gives you an, it's a reminder that you can have hope in the faithfulness of who God was to you, who he is to you, and based on that, you can have hope and an expectation for your future. Your testimony isn't just something cute that you post on Instagram, There's power inside of that because it keeps you away from complacency. It keeps you away from apathy. It keeps you away from becoming unthankful and ungrateful for the things that you have in life. There is hope for your future, but you need to realize that God is always working on your behalf for your good. It's a choice that you need to make. I I can tell you honestly, in my life, I don't have, some people have stories of God bringing them through incredibly difficult circumstances trying circumstances, they've overcome so much by God's grace. I can t- honestly tell you, I don't have a crazy testimony like that. And I used to think that, man, I wish I could be like those people who overcame this and overcame that. But as I look back on my life, I can see all the little choices of all God, how, how God has preserved me how he's protected me, how he's been faithful, even when I wasn't aware of it at the time. And when I come to an awareness of that, it not only gives me appreciation for what God has done, but it gives me hope for where God wants to take me. The Bible says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever. And if he did it for the people in scripture, and he did it for you in the past, he will be faithful to see it through to completion. God is faithful, but it's a choice. And listen, here's how it works. We're getting ready to conclude in a few minutes. Here's how it works. When you start to change the way that you respond to God, if you're in a season where you're feeling restricted and restrained and constrained from the blessing that God wants from you, suddenly you come to a point when you say, you know what? I need to change the way that I'm responding to God. And you start pursuing him differently. You start reading his word differently. You start worshiping, you start engaging with a community of faith differently. Suddenly that changes something inside of you. And it starts to build peace inside of you that you haven't known before. That even though you're encountering the same problems and the same challenges, you start to navigate them differently because God's peace is filling the inside of you. And it can mean that you have incredibly difficult things that you're going through in life but it changes the way that you respond to them because you choose peace. And out of that, you have a new identity in Christ that's formed, that suddenly you see the who I am is not a result of what happens to me, it's a result of what Jesus did for me. And you could be in an incredibly uh, tumultuous season in life but you see yourself differently based on how God sees you. And that leads you to take more responsibility. You start to not be just a consumer. You start to be a cultivator. You start to not only receive value from others, but also to add value to others. And people around you are different because you're helping them, you're serving them. Your own life gets more satisfied. And all of a sudden you're faithful in the little things And all of a sudden you look back and you see, wait a second, now I'm sure. I was in a place of restriction and restraint, but God has brought me to a place of freedom because of how I responded and the choices that I made to his word. And now I am sure that God who began a good work in me will be faithful to complete it. That's how your testimony works. Listen to me. Anyone anyone who ever has a testimony to share, the, the reason they have that testimony is simply because they kept responding to God. That's all the testimony is. It's a story of responses to God. One, two last verses and we're gonna close. We're gonna skip to Romans chapter eight, verse 37 through 39. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Last verse, Revelation 12, 10. John the Revelator is looking at the end of history and he's looking at the victory that the church has, that Christ's church has. Aren't you thankful that at the end of the day, no matter what happens in this life, we get the dub because Jesus has done it for us, right? Listen to what he says. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven, saying, now I now, now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of God and the authority of his Messiah for the accuser of the brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. They triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. There is power, there is power in your testimony, but it's a choice that you and I need to make. Again, what have we talked about today? The Holy Spirit empowers us to choose to obey God. And five ways that we can walk in submission and alignment with allowing the Holy Spirit to do this for us. Number one, we need to choose to respond to God. Today, some of you are gonna make that decision, that very first decision to respond to the gospel and receive him as your savior. You need to choose the peace that only God can provide. You need to choose the identity that Jesus gives us. We need to choose to accept the responsibility that god blesses us with and then number five we need to choose to recognize the testimony that god is building inside of us so our closing questions as we close every gathering what did the holy spirit speak to us today and what next step do you and i need to take in our faith journey for some of us here today your next step of response is going to be making that decision that precious decision to receive jesus as your lord and savior to make the decision to become part of God's family. We're gonna give everyone here an opportunity to do that. So I wanna ask every head to be bowed, every eye to be closed, no one moving about, doing anything distracting for the next few moments. John 3.16 says, God so loved the world, that's you and me, that he gave his only son, that's Jesus, that whoever believes in him, whoever believes in him, would not perish, but have everlasting life. You and I, we need to make the choice to respond to God. He's never gonna force his way into your life. You and I, we need to make the decision to open up our heart. Today, God is knocking on the door of some hearts today, and it's gonna be your choice to respond to him. You may have been around faith, you may have been around church, but something's different about today. You're not just content anymore to be around God, you wanna know God. And it starts with you responding to him. I wanna give everybody here an opportunity to do that. My promise is that we're not gonna do anything to embarrass you, we're not gonna call anyone out. Everybody's heads are down. Everybody's eyes are closed. I'm just here to help guide you through this decision. If you're here today and you say, yes, today's the day I'm gonna respond to Jesus. I'm gonna make him the Lord of my life. On the count of three, I want you to let me know who you are so that I can pray with you. Let me know who you are by raising your hand in the air. I'll acknowledge it. You can put it right back down. Don't hesitate, don't delay. Let this be the moment that you're making a response to the gospel. One, Jesus loves you so much. Two, today's your day of salvation. Three, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Multiple hands going up all around the room. Thank you, thank you. I see your hand in the back. Thank you, thank you. I see your hand to my right. God bless you. Others today, thank you. I see your hand to the center. God bless you. I see your hand to the front. I see your hand to my left. God bless you. Others today, don't wanna rush through this moment. This isn't feels, this isn't emotions. This is God tugging on the door of your heart and giving you an opportunity to change your eternal destiny. Don't hesitate, don't delay. Let this be the moment. Thank you, I see that hand, God bless you. Thank you, I see that hand to my right, God bless you. I see that hand to my back left, God bless you. I see this hand to the front center, God bless you. You can put your hands down now. For those of you that raised your hand, I want you to do something with me right now. Gonna, I want you to pray a prayer with me. And I'm gonna give you the words to pray. You can whisper this prayer in the privacy of this moment. If you want someone to pray with you, just, say, just tap someone around you, say, pray with me. Whatever you need to do, let this be the decision that you're making. Mean this with all your heart. This is the decision that you're making to follow Jesus. Start by whispering his name. Say, dear Jesus, pray that right now. Say, dear Jesus, I admit to you that I'm a sinner. I'm so sorry for all the things that I've done wrong. Tell him that, say, Jesus, I'm so sorry for all the things that I've done wrong. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you're God's son. I believe that you died on the cross for me. I believe that you rose again. Now invite them into your heart. Say, Jesus, come into my heart, come into my life. Fill me, change me, make me a new person. I give my life to you. Thank you, Jesus. Pray that right now. Say, thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Every head bowed, every eye closed for a few more seconds. If you prayed that prayer, whether you raised your hand or not, I want you to do me a quick favor. Not gonna call you out, not gonna embarrass you, not gonna put you on the spot, just wanna speak with you. If you prayed that prayer could you do me a favor look up and make eye contact with me real quick you've made the most amazing decision that you could ever make with your life the bible says that all of heaven is throwing a party they're going crazy they're celebrating because of the decision that you just made and what we want to do is we want to help you get started help you get growing in your relationship with jesus this is the best decision but it's just the start what we want to do is help you grow into a vibrant vital living relationship with Jesus. The way that we wanna do that is by giving you this gift. It's a little red book. It's titled, What Should I Do Now That I'm a Christian? This is our free gift to you. And all you need to do to get this gift, at the end of our gathering, you'll see a team of people. They're gonna be holding up the book. You can head over to our guest experience area in the lobby. All you need to do is tell someone, hey, I prayed with the pastor. They'll give you this gift and you can be on your way. It's gonna take 30 seconds every time. Listen, we don't want a single thing from you. We're not trying to trick you into doing anything, nothing like that. Our desire is just to get this gift in your hands because it's gonna give you a great start to your relationship with Jesus. Will you do that for me? Fantastic, awesome. Let me pray for all of us together. Lord, I thank you for every single person that gave their life to you, that made a decision to become part of your family. I thank you, Lord, for the names that are being added to the book of life. God, I pray that you would watch over them, protect them, guide them through every season, every decision, every high, every low that they need to make. Lord, I thank you that you're gonna be walking with them and you're gonna be covering them. Lord, I pray that you would put your angels in charge over them to guard them in all of their ways, Lord. I thank you that no matter what they experience in this life, that they have a future to look forward to in heaven with you, God, that no matter what they encounter here on earth, they can say, this was the day that my life changed. It was the day that I gave my life to Jesus Christ. We thank you for it, we praise you for it in Jesus' name. Come on church, let's celebrate every single person that gave their life to Jesus. Many, many, many people who gave their life to Christ.